Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Sunday. I'm going to jump right in because I took a little bit extra time. I'm going to try to be conscious of that today. Just out of curiosity, how many, oh, let me just tell you, by the way, those of you who know me, I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan. There's a reason, yeah, there's a reason why I'm wearing a Kansas City's Chiefs jersey today. Brett, where's Brett at? There he is. Brett Pousher has been a lifelong fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, and his team has never gone to the Super Bowl in his lifetime. They have been once. So I told Brett at the beginning of the playoffs, I said, Brett, if the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl, I will gladly wear one of their jerseys. But just so none of you are confused. All right, how many of you, just let's take a real non-scientific poll. How many of you are pulling for the Chiefs today? How many of you are pulling for the 49ers today? How many of you are just glad that the Patriots are not in it? Shout with a voice of triumph. (laughs) Amen. How many of you could not care less about the Super Bowl? Yeah, that's all right, too. Ichabod. The glory has departed. Today's a fun day to show your team spirit. By the way, we're going to be moving Jersey Sunday back to September this year because one thing we've learned, September is a time when all of us have our misguided hopes that this might be the year our team actually makes it. So so you can actually wear your team jersey with a little glimmer of hope. Amen. Welcome to week number five of our series on the 40 Days of Prayer. My wife is upstairs doing children's ministry every first Sunday of the month and uh, on, on the dream team that she serves on. But didn't she do an amazing job last Sunday? So I got a tough act to follow. Today I want to speak on this subject, praying in five dimensions. Praying in five dimensions. I'm going to jump right in. We've all heard about one-dimensional, two-dimensional, three-dimensional, right? We, we've heard those terms before. But what does that really mean in a practical sense? Well, when you start talking about dimensions, it's got a lot to do with physics and math. And I had to look into this uh, for clarity, but to keep it really, really simple, really to oversimplify, one-dimensional means the connection of two points or a straight line. Two-dimensional is flat, but it can be measured in length and width. Three-dimensional means solid instead of flat and can be measured in three ways, length, width, and depth. 
Four-dimensional adds the dimension of time to length, width, and depth. And then five-dimensional actually has two definitions. And it was first talked about back in the 1920s. The first one has to do with math, and I won't bore you with that because I'm terrible with math. And the second definition has to do with the addition of gravity to the other four dimensions of length, width, depth, and time. That's the dimensions. That's your 60-second overview, and that might be all you ever need to know about it. Amen. But talking about dimensions, how many of you sometimes feel like life comes at you from multiple dimensions? Amen. It pulls at you from all sides. It pulls at you from all five at one time. Well, I've got some good news for you today. God is there. He is present in every direction, dimension, and place that your life is pulled into. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So today I want to talk about how to pray in five different dimensions or in five different directions in order to deepen what you do in prayer. Now I think we've already had four really good weeks about prayer, how to develop our prayer life and how to grow in prayer. So let's take you just a little bit deeper today and let's talk about multidimensional prayer. And it is possible because we serve a multidimensional God. Amen. So let's talk about God for a moment. He's not one-dimensional. He's not two-dimensional. You can't take out the big ugly glasses and look at him in three-dimensional and contain him. You can't do it. You cannot put God in a box. God is a multidimensional God. Now, I say that because the most important thing that I can really teach you about prayer is that its purpose is to know God and to know him better. And the more you understand God, the better your prayers are going to be, the more effective they're going to be, the more fulfilling they're going to be, the more satisfying your prayer life can be. So what do I mean when I say that God is multidimensional? Well, he's not just one dimension. You can see him in many different things. So first of all, let's talk about this. How can you see God? You can see God, number one, in his creation. Gary kind of touched on this a little bit in the offering about how God is expanding the universe. Obviously, you look around, and the God that created this multidimensional world is a multidimensional creator. There are dimensions that we know about, but there's also dimensions that we don't even know about. And the Bible talks about, for example, the spirit realm. We don't know a whole lot about the spirit realm because we can't see it with our visible eyes. So sometimes we forget that we are engaging in the spiritual realm, and it is very real. But God's visible creation and nature itself tells us a lot that we need to know about God. For instance, we know that God likes variety, right? We know that God is organized. We know that God is creative. We know that God likes diversity. We know that that God is powerful. When you look at thunder and lightning and earthquakes and storms and oceans and all the different things in the world, we know that God is creative. And that God is great and and God is powerful. When you look at people and and languages and landscapes and, and the colors of the seasons and the colors of our skin, we know that God likes diversity, right? When you look at 
and, 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 uh, and all the things that is going on and the way life is created and, and the circle of life and the cycle of life. To be honest with you, I think it takes more faith not to believe in God than to believe in God. Amen? Romans chapter 1 verse 20 actually tells us that we know a lot about God and nature itself is going to cause us not to have an excuse. Romans 1.20, check this verse out. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, look, they can clearly see His invisible qualities. His eternal power and divine nature. Look at this last line. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. God says, look at the mountains. Look at the sea. Look at nature. Look at the changing of the seasons. Look at all that's going on around you. It gives you insight into my invisible qualities. And because of creation and nature, the Bible tells us we're without excuse. Because where there is evidence of design, there is always evidence of a creator. Let me just give you a practical example. I've got an amazing piece of technology right here on my wrist. Right? It's an Apple Watch. My family got it for me for Christmas. They asked me what I wanted. At this season of my life, I've got all the neckties, socks, and underwear that a man could ever want. Right? So I'm like, well, there's one thing I really like, but it's expensive. I'm not going to buy it for myself. So they all pulled their money together, and they bought me this watch. Now, let me tell you what's really cool about this watch. Right now, I can tell you my heartbeat. I can, I can take an electrocardiogram. I did it this morning. I, I'm in sinus rhythm for all you medical people. I can tell you, I can tell you how many steps I've taken. I can tell you how long I've been standing. I can tell you how many calories I've burned because of my exercise. I can tell you that right now it is 48 degrees. And by the time we get out of church, it's going to be 52 degrees. I can tell you all kinds of things. I can tell you that today is February 2nd and that right now it is 11.59 a.m. Now guess what? I didn't find this growing in the dirt. This marvelous piece of technology is evidence of designers and it's evidence of engineers. It's evidence of a, a team of people, probably hundreds of people, that came together to create this amazing timepiece. And when you look around <laughs> and you see the sun come up and the sun go down, when you watch the ocean come in and it stops where God says for it to stop. When you watch it go back out. When you see the weather patterns. When you see everything in the world. I'm gonna, when you see a newborn baby, I'm going to tell you, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. <laughs> I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Because it takes a whole lot more faith to believe that there was not a master designer and a master creator than there was one. So we see God in His creation. Another way we see God's multidimensional nature is we see God in Jesus' incarnation. In other words, when God came to earth as the Son and became a human being. Incarnation is a religious word. It's a theological word that simply means that God became flesh. The Word became flesh. Look at John chapter 1 verse 1. It says this. I love this verse. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. So go back to verse 1. What was the word? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We can see the evidence of God in the incarnation. And then that verse goes on to say, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible tells us that the Word became a human being, Jesus. The Word of God became the Son of God, and He revealed Himself to us. By the way, can I just remind you, that's another reason why reading your Bible is so important. Because the Bible says that the Word of God is God. It's the essence of who God is. The fact that God can be God and can come to earth and be a human means He's multidimensional. The Bible says about Jesus in Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We also get to see this about God. We see God in the moving of the Holy Spirit. We do. John chapter 3, verse 5 through 8, Jesus answered, Verily, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Verse 7, don't be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. Now, but look at what verse 8 says about the Spirit. This is pretty cool. It says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. It says, the, the wind blows. It's, it, the Spirit's like the wind. It blows and it goes. We don't know what it's going to do and we don't know where it's at. You can hear the sound, but it's moving in dimensions. It's moving in areas that we don't always understand or see. God is multidimensional. He's in heaven. He's on earth. He's in the spirit world. He's in your world. He's in my world. God is in every dimension all the time. He's in you. He's above you. He's around you because he's multidimensional. Amen. I'm so glad that you can't carve him out and stick him in the corner. I'm so glad you can't just stick him in a box. He's not just a bunch of different gods. He's one God and He's revealed Himself to us as the Word, as the Father, as the Son, as the Holy Spirit. Here's what David said about the Spirit and about God's presence. Look at Psalm 139 verse 7. I can never escape from your Spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I can't hide from you. Darkness and light are the same to you. He said, no matter where I go, there you are. You know what the good news about that is, guys? You're never alone. You are never alone. I, 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 want to, I, I don't want to tell somebody right now, you think you're alone. You're not alone. He's there. He's there. He's everywhere. That means no place you've ever been, no place you are, and no place you're going to be. That God has not been there and will be there with you. That ought to encourage us today because that means you're not going to go to a place in your future where God is not there. So you're never going to be alone. Now, pastor, that all sounds great, but what does this have to do with prayer? 
Well, it has a lot to do with prayer because it means that since God is everywhere, since He's multidimensional, you can talk to Him about every dimension of your life. And it just doesn't have to be this unilateral, one-way thing where you don't feel any response back from God. He wants to communicate with us at every level. Because knowing God is not just one-dimensional. So very quickly with the time I have left, let me share with you five dimensions of prayer. Here's our first dimension. You need to look backward to the cross. As I take a sip of my extra special delicious water today. Number one, the first dimension. When I pray, I look back to the cross. Why? Because when I start my prayers, I don't want to just start off with the problems I'm facing today. I don't want to just start off with the fears I have about tomorrow, but I want to start by being grateful with what God did for me in my past. Amen? Starting with the cross and what Jesus did for you on the cross starts you off with an attitude of gratitude. It fills you with thanksgiving. When I think about Jesus Christ dying for me on the cross, it reminds me of how deeply God loved me how costly my sins were, and how completely forgiven I am because of His blood. Folks, we don't want to forget what He did for us on the cross. That's a good way to start your prayers. Look back to the cross. Remember how much God loves you. And even though your sins were a mess, you're completely and utterly forgiven. You can look back to the cross. 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors. Verse 19, But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without spot, without blemish or defect. See, God paid a ransom to save you and I. He paid for you with His blood, with the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Christ. See, men were always breaking their covenants in the Old Testament. Why did Jesus die on a cross? It's real simple. We couldn't keep covenant. I don't want to go into another whole sermon, but in the Old Testament, we were not capable to keep covenant. We always broke covenant. So Jesus came along. He shed his blood, and guess what? It is the eternal covenant that cannot be broken because there's nothing we can do to change it. You ought to give God praise for that. Amen. Jesus sealed that covenant with his blood, and it's one that we can never break. Do you want to know how much something is worth? I've learned this in the real estate industry. The value of something is determined simply by what someone is willing to pay for it. So do you want to know how much you're worth? Look at the cross. (laughs) How much was he willing to pay for your sins? He paid it all. That's how much you're worth. Jesus, the incarnation, came to earth to die for you and I. The Son of God became a Son of Man so that we could become sons of God. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. So you couldn't pay for all the things you've done wrong. Neither could I. So you know what Jesus did? He said, I'll do it. I'll raise my hand. As a matter of fact, I'll raise both hands. I'll do it for you. See, when you pray, I want to encourage you, start at the cross. Think about how much Jesus loves you and how much you're forgiven. Right now, all of your sins that you've committed, if you've repented, they have all are buried in your past because of the cross. 
It's already been taken care of because Jesus, what, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Number two, the first dimension, we look back to the cross. The second dimension, look up to our Heavenly Father. Don't just look back, look up to our Heavenly Father. Start by thinking about the cross and then think about and turn upward to your Heavenly Father's face. God wants you to see Him as a Father, not a dictator. Not as your divine boss. Not as your heavenly supervisor. Not just as your coach or your mentor. Matter of fact, they asked Jesus, they said, how should we pray? And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father. Our Father. Now, you may not really realize how radical that is, but when Jesus said that in the Old Testament, they rarely called God Father. I think there may only be two incidences. I'm not positive of this, but I think there's only two examples in the Old Testament where he was called Father. God's called Majestic. He's called King of Kings. He's called Lord of Lords. He's called Creator. Jesus said, why don't you call him Father? (laughs) I just want to ask you, do you call God Father in your prayers? You should, occasionally. Let me tell you why. Even if you didn't have a good relationship with your dad, even if you didn't have a good relationship with your earthly father, God is a perfect father, caring, considerate, consistent. Every human father, even the best among us, is imperfect, but God is the perfect, loving father. And it's important to understand that the way you see God, hear me, the way you see God will control your life more than any other thing in your life. I'm going to tell you, it will. And what shapes that? Your religious upbringing shapes that. Your traditions shape that. Your relationship with your earthly father and mother shape that. All the things in your life will affect how you view God. I want to encourage you, look up to Him and see Him as a father. The way you see God determines whether you see yourself as a son or as a servant. Are you part of the family or are you part of the hired staff? Come on, somebody. Are you one of the children or are you just one of the people standing and looking in? You see, if somebody calls me Reverend Thompson, I know it will probably maybe be a formal meeting or maybe they don't know me very well. If somebody calls me Pastor Thompson or Pastor Buddy, I know that means we have a a different kind of relationship. I want to tell you, by the way, you can call me whatever makes you comfortable. Somebody call me pastor, somebody calls me rev. Some people like to call me pastor or reverend as a term of respect, like when you see your doctor or, or, or a police officer. I understand that, I get that. I just want you to know I don't require that. I'm not hung up on that. Somebody asked me one time, somebody at church called me buddy, and when it was over, somebody, a minister guest who was here with me, he said, why did, you, why did they call you buddy? You're their pastor. I said, because buddy's my name. Hoo-hoo! This isn't real complicated, Amen. Actually, Buddy's not my name. My name is Clarence. So now you see why I like people to call me Buddy. Amen. (laughs) But what am I saying? What you call people sometimes is a reflection of your relationship. Right? There's two people who call me Dad. There's one little two and a half foot tall guy who calls me Papa. Amen? See, All these names and titles, don't miss this, they're indicators of my relationship with that person. You could call him Lord, you could call him God Almighty, but can you call him Father? Can you call him Father? Or when you pray, is it like giving a a deposition to an attorney? 
or applying for a loan at the bank? Are you scared to death you're going to say something wrong? Or are you going to, it's like taking a lie detector test. Where's, where's Noah at? I, I know I saw him in here a minute ago. He took a lie detector test. It was last week, week before, uh, for his uh, job. And so I asked him, did you pass it? You know, I mean, I was joking with him, but of course he passed. But he told me how nervous he was. Because even normal answers, you feel pressure because you know you're hooked up and you're, you're afraid that your answers might be wrong even though you're thinking the right things. Some of us pray like we're hooked up to a lie detector machine. Okay, God, what's going to happen if I fail the test? Father, Father, Romans 8, 15 through 17. You've not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. See, that's what happens when you get born again. You get adopted into God's family, and you're now a child of God. We sing a song around here occasionally. I love the lyrics. It goes, I'm no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. I'm no longer a slave. Now I'm a child. Whatever you think God is determines how you pray. Real quickly from that passage in Romans 8, I'm going to give you three things we can get from Romans 8, right, 8, Romans 8, 15 through 70. Number one, God wants our prayers to be personal. Abba, Father. Abba is from the Aramaic language which Jesus spoke. Did you know when you really study out, it's a word for daddy? Literally, it's dada. It's the easiest thing for a baby to say, Abba, dada, Papa. Abba, Father, Daddy, Dad. God wants that kind of intimacy with us. Number two, God also wants our prayers to be passionate. He said, cry out. You ever notice that children cry a lot? A lot. They shout a lot. They scream a lot. They are not the slightest bit embarrassed to cry in the store or in the church or in the courthouse. Amen. They don't care. Last Monday night, we had a group of about 60 adults meeting upstairs on Monday night. And we had the stairwell doors open down to the lobby. And uh, Lindsay and Mason came into the lobby downstairs. We'd already started. And apparently Mason could hear my voice on the microphone. Because while I was talking, all of a sudden, I heard from downstairs, Papa! He did not care that I was in the middle of talking to 60 people. Papa. I love that. <laughs> you know what? Kids are passionate. Guys, when did we lose that passion with our father? Daddy. Father. If a kid is unhappy, they cry out. If they're happy, they jump for joy. They scream with delight. My question is, if you are his child, and He is your Father. Can you be that way in prayer? Amen. Hallelujah. Quit worrying about what other people think. 
By the way, in two more weeks, I'm going to wrap up this series on prayer, Lord willing, on, on the power of praise and worship. If you don't like to worship, you might want to stay home that Sunday. We're going to have us a Holy Ghost hoedown, amen? Because sometimes you just need to let your emotions out and not be afraid to tell God how you feel. Put a little umph in your triumph, amen? And then number three out of that passage, God wants our prayers to be a partnership. What did verse 16 say? His spirit joins with our spirit. When you pray, the Holy Spirit is present and prays with you. God is actually talking to himself with you about you. Now, I know that sounds weird, but it's true. Well, why would God do that? Well, let me ask you a question. Why do you talk to yourself? We all do it, right? It's not so weird when you do it, is it? Look at Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. My wife talked about that last week, praying in the Spirit and praying with understanding. So I'm going to move on from this point for a second time. But God wants our prayers to be a partnership with Him. Number three. Number one, I look back to the cross. Number two. I pray looking up to my Heavenly Father. Number three, I look inward, knowing Jesus lives in me. Everybody say inward. See, when you become a Christian, you step across the line. His Spirit is operating in you. Jesus is in you. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It is the Spirit of Christ. It is the Spirit of God living and operating within us and in our world. And when Jesus died and was resurrected, He sent His Spirit to dwell not only among us, but in us. Amen. It's the Spirit of Christ, the Son of God in you. Jesus is not just in heaven. He is multidimensional. He is everywhere, including in you, if you are a Spirit-filled believer. Hallelujah. And when you turn your prayers inward to the Spirit, man, you can say, Lord, you know what's in me. You know what's not pleasing to you. There's some bad attitudes. There might be some secret sins. There might be some fears. There might be some hurtful memories. There's some resentful thoughts. There's some unforgiveness. There's some bitterness. Lord, you know, you see the stuff in me that I don't even know how to clear it out myself. So God, I'm asking you, I'm looking inward. I'm asking you to help me do some house cleaning. Is that biblical? Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5 says, Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves? Here it is. That Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Examine yourself. Do a heart checkup. Am I really living in the faith? Can I just say this in a loving pastoral way? A lot of people want to profess they're Christians, but we don't want to live like we're Christians. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you today. you got to look inside. It's not enough to wear the label. I've got a cup up here, and you can't tell what's in this cup. Right? I can assure you it's ice cold water. Amy and Mike McIntyre bought me this cup. 
And this thing keeps uh, water colder than anything I've ever had. But you don't know what's in this cup. You just have to assume it is. What's my point? Unless you come up here and you can look inside, you just have to assume that the contents are what I'm saying they are because all you can see is a label. I want to know, do you profess to be a Christian and talk about being a Christian, but on the inside, you're maybe not really doing what you need to be doing? Again, I'm not here to indict, but I'm trying to tell you, sometimes we got to take a look inside and we need to do some house cleaning. Amen? You need to open up that closet that you haven't opened in a while. You need to go in there and sweep out those dust bunnies, amen? You need to pull that couch back that hadn't been vacuumed in six years and go, oh, my Lord. Pick up all that loose change. Pick up those Fritos. Don't touch that. Get the vacuum cleaner out. Amen. Everybody needs to look inside. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Why? Here it is, guys. Look, people who conceal their sins will not But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. You know, it's so funny to me. And, and we live in America. We're so materialistic. We're so success-driven. We're so image-conscious. We want to prosper. We want to excel. And we're forgetting this part. It starts here. Don't conceal your sins. Confess them and turn from them. I don't have to. I can preach a whole sermon just from this verse. Don't conceal, confess, and turn. It's not enough just to confess. Man, I'm terrible. I do this and this. You need to turn away from that. <laughs> Go ahead and make that next step and decide, you know what, I'm going to try to turn away from this. Number four, the fourth dimension, and I'm going to ask the praise and prayer team to come. You need to look around and ask the Holy Spirit to use you. Look back, look up, look in. Number four, look around. I talked a little bit about this today in our missions presentation. Guys, there's more going on than what's happening in this building and happening in your life. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but guess what? It's not just about you. It's not just about me. I dare you to say, Lord, use me. I dare you to pray that prayer and mean it. Because if you allow God to start using you, your life will never be the same again. Amen? There's a world outside of our four walls that's waiting on you. They're waiting on me. Look back to the cross. Look up to the Father. Look inward toward Jesus. But look out into your world and ask the Spirit to help you make a difference. Lord, where do you want to use me today? Show me what you want me to do. Is there a dream team? Is there a ministry that you need me to join that you want me to join? Is there a group that you want me to sign up for or maybe a group that you want me to lead? Is there a volunteer organization in the city that I need to be helping with? Are there things that I need to do outside of the church to help me reach my community? Should I be a volunteer at the pregnancy center? Should I work at the homeless shelter? What should I do? Should I volunteer to help Chuck and Carol on Thursday nights with Thrive? Should I volunteer to do Reach Richmond? What should I do? Should I be teaching a Sunday school class? Should I be working in the nursery once a month? God, help me to look around. I need to look around. I need to look around. Do I need to help my neighbor? I, I was driving to the church a few weeks ago, 
And honest to goodness, if I wouldn't have had an appointment at the church that I could not break, I looked out on uh, uh, Shady Grove Road, I believe it was, and I saw an old man bent over in his front yard raking his leaves. And I've never seen a man, I'm not making fun of him, I've never seen a man who was hunched over and, and looked as crippled as he looked out doing physical activity. And I wanted to stop my car so bad and go up there and tell him, Go inside and have a cup of coffee. I want to finish raking your leaves. Because I just, my heart just went out to him. I just thought, man, somebody needs to help this guy. And you know what, guys? There are needs all around us. It doesn't have to be so esoteric and complicated and spiritual all the time. Sometimes we just need to open our eyes. Buy somebody some groceries that's standing in front of you when you see them scrambling around or their debit card just got rejected. Pay for a meal for somebody. Buy them a cup of coffee. Say hi to them. Wave to them. I, one time I gave a total stranger a hug in the store. I don't advise that, by the way. But I felt prompted of the Spirit to do it, and I did it. You know what they did? They cried and they hugged me back. They said, I really needed that today. Just look around you. Romans 6.13 Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, here it is. Look, give yourself completely to God. You know why? You were dead. Did you already forget that? Why should I give my... I've got enough stuff going. No, you don't. You were dead. But now you have new life. You were a sinner, but now you're saved. You were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you're see. You see. So what am I supposed to do? Use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You know what I love about that? That term is about as broad and wide as you can make it. That means just use all of you, whatever you can, to do whatever you need to do or can do for the glory of God of God. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me? I got five words for somebody in this audience. Are you ready? Here they are. You were made for more. You were made for more. More than what you're doing right now. That's not to put you down. That's to encourage you. And because you were made for more, the fifth dimension of prayer that I want to encourage you to walk in is you want to look forward to the future by faith and with faith. Look forward to the future with faith. God wants to hear your plans, your thoughts, your ideas, your dreams. What do you dream about? And maybe you've let that dream die. Look forward to the future again with faith. Light that fire again by faith. What ministry do you feel like you need to do? Step forward with prayer and with faith. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now I don't have time to unpack all of that. But did you see that? It didn't say until it was finished when you die. Did you know our work lives on beyond us? 
What you do lives on beyond you. The work you do for the kingdom is going to continue, not until you're dead and gone, but until he comes back. So make it last. Make it count. Ask God to use you. Hear me. There is not one person under the sound of my voice that is either in this church building or listening to this message on the website or on the app. Hear me. There is not one of you that is unworthy to be used by God. You can be an instrument in His hands. So we're going to have an altar call right now. The praise team's going to sing. I'm not going to beg you to come. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Step forward with faith. Whatever you've been praying about, whatever you've been dreaming about, whatever you've been scared to dream about, you haven't even had enough faith to have faith. I want you to step out from where you are and say, God, I'm not going to pray any one-dimensional prayers anymore. You're multidimensional and you're in me, so God, you can do a great work with my life. In the words of Tony Suarez, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to invite you to come. Are you ready? One, two, three. Step out from where you are. That's it. Come on. God, I want you to use me. 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 That's it. Begin to pray that prayer of faith. God is going to unlock the doors. God is going to use you in a way you never thought imaginable. I'm going to overcome my fear with faith. I'm going to overcome my fear with faith. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Oh, that's it. God's going to turn it around. He's going to turn it around. For the 
days of us, our lives are ahead. Amen. How many of you are going to believe that? Amen. Can I, can I just say this one last thing before we close and we're going to go home. Did you know it takes just as much energy and faith to believe that there's going to be a bad report over your life as it does to believe that there's going to be a good report? It takes just as much emotion and strength to think bad things in your life as it does to think good things in your life. So why don't you flip the script? Why don't you shut off that switch forever and turn on the switch of faith in your life and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. I love the words of this song. Without the 
music. Look at the words on your screen. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Go ahead. Next slide. Next slide, please. I'm going to see a victory. You talk about a proclamation. I'm going to see a victory. You want to know why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Let's give him one final praise. Can we do it? Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Give him a shout of praise. We bless you, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is so good. God bless you. We will see you. Sign up for groups if you haven't done it. You can do it in the lobby. You can do it online. We'll see you Friday night for First Friday Prayer. If not Friday, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week and walk by faith. Amen? In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. Music, please.